Hello, it's me, Sam, and this is my podcast that I sporadically record on. Right now I've got two cans of dry shampoo that are rolling around on the floor of my van and it's driving me nuts. Give me just a minute. Okay, got it. And please tell me I'm not the only one who keeps backup dry shampoo in their van. Especially during the summer. Like, you may apply it in the morning and then if your grease level is high, like mine is... You may need a little midday touch-up to soak up some more of that grease. I don't know why I had two cans. Oh, yeah, I do. Because I found one in my glove box. And I was like, man, i got to use this. I actually really like this brand. The van is where the, uh, the, hair, the dry shampoo goes when I don't really like it that much. Because I don't use it as, <laughs> as often. So if I buy a brand or they don't have the brand that I normally buy and I buy a different brand and then inevitably I don't like it or it makes me look like I have a full head of gray hair because there's so much white cast, uh, I leave it in my van because then I don't have to use it as often. (coughs) I don't have the Rona. You know what I have? I have the the, uh, morning after getting too much chlorine water splashed up into my sinus cavities. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I guess it's been a long time since I've actually gotten into a pool and like played like a child in the pool. And let me tell you, uh, nothing will make you feel older than waking up in the morning with what felt like a migraine at first. I finally, I think, worked it out with some coffee and a hot shower, but as a direct result of uh, chlorine water being just pile driven up my nose cavities <laughs> and in my eyeballs and my ears and everywhere else for about two hours last night you know I got a little above ground pool bomb in my backyard and uh, I had to had to because the pools are closed and my kids are on the swim team and they're used to swimming all summer and so you know put a little above ground pool back there uh it's nice it's actually been really nice I was kind of like on the fence my uh what did we decide are we calling him boyfriend man friend that just sounds pervy boyfriend you know what man friend sounds like it sounds like he should be wearing a gold chain and like have his shirt unbuttoned about halfway down his chest (laughs) gross Uh, I don't know. Ben. His name's Ben. He's my boyfriend, I guess. Um, shout out to him because if it wouldn't have been for him, it would have, the pool setup situation, either A, would have never happened, or B, would have happened very poorly in a way that would have, uh, probably ended in disaster and tragedy and a lot, a loss of a lot of money. On the side of the box of the pool, it says, two-person setup in 30 minutes. I'm going to call major bullshit on that. It took him all day. It took him an entire Saturday to prep the ground and put the pool up. And then in addition to that, it took multiple ordeals to fill it up. I mean, the the pool takes like almost 4,000 gallons of water. That's a lot of water. (laughs) And it's not something that, uh, myself using a well, you know, we had to have water delivered in and pay for it. And 
was a flipping mess. Had to till up the space and level it and put tarps down. I mean, just just chemicals. I mean, we went to the Home Depot and on top of what I paid for the pool, I spent three hundred dollars on chemicals and and shovels and ladder. I don't even know what vacuums, sifters, pole. I mean, just. It's just a money pit. It's just another money pit. It's basically just like animals. So, handled that. Got everything we needed. But I'm so glad. I'm so grateful for him because he had a pool at his the first house that he and his ex-wife lived at. They had an in-ground pool. And so, he was like, boom, boom, boom. This is what you do. This is what you need. He set it all up. He set the pump up. I mean, he's a real hero. Real American hero. Because <laughs> I didn't know anything about any of it and I was it was I was guaranteed to break it I mean just to the either myself or my kids and let me just tell you within the first day of having it so here's a pro tip that nobody tells you and as far as I could tell isn't written anywhere maybe it's in the instruction manual I don't know I don't look at that kind of crap you have the vacuum that hooks up to the pump you know the filter pump and it's just like basically this big tube with this big pole and then like this little triangle thing on the end of it that's supposed to vacuum up all the leaves and junk that's on the bottom of the pool. Fine. So I told Charlie, hey, this is like literally day two of the pool having enough water in it to swim and we got it. we're trying to like, you know, get it all clean and sparkly and everything. I said, use this thing, move it around the bottom of the pool and vacuum up the bottom of the pool. This child who is allegedly gifted pulls the vacuum out of the pool because quote he wants to see how it works well guess how it works when you pull it out of the pool it sucks a bunch of water or a bunch of air into the pump therefore essentially making the pump not work anymore I thank god Ben knew how to fix it and figured it out like got it going again and did the whole thing and yeah so I mean that that was just a foreshadowing of of what it would be like if it was just up if it was up to me to try to figure it out it would have it would have never it would have never worked it would have been a disaster I really wanted to buy like a a for real above ground pool with like hard sides and the whole deal but uh when I called them back in I want to say May yeah first of May I called a couple pool places they're like yeah we're not gonna have anything until maybe July <laughs> I was like man forget that I'm not trying to wait and actually the one that I got was the last one in the store and they've been sold out everywhere because people are it's corona time okay it's corona time and people are losing their minds everybody's stuck in their house all the time you know i never really thought i'd be the type of person that would like the idea of having a pool at my home i kind of enjoy the process of like getting everything together and going to the pool and looking at people making fun of people you know you know what we do <laughs> people watching 
you know, letting the kids play with their friends and stuff that are at the pool, whatever it is. It's like diving boards, whatnot. I kind of enjoy that process. My alarm telling me to take my vitamins. I'm not doing it. Um, kind of enjoy that process. But I'm going to tell you, there is something to be said for just like, like last night, it's 100 degrees. I'm trying to get stuff ready to go on vacation. I'm sweating like a hog about to be in the slaughterhouse. And I just am like, I'm getting in the pool. I'm hot. I want to be in the pool. And I did. And I got in with the kids. And Mia is three years old, almost four. And she's all confident with her floaties and swimming. And it's cute. And it's it was nice. It was nice, like I said, except for the fact of uh, waking up this morning feeling like my head was filled up with chlorine water. And it was not... That was not fun. So, yeah, that's where I'm. That's where I'm at. I don't have. I don't have COVID. I don't have it just yet, at least. We're in a crisis again. Shocker. Montgomery County, Ohio, has a big red dot on it. It's all redded out for being in level three, which is basically panic mode. Everybody you look at have probably has it. High risk. High risk for exposure, no matter what you do great I was already at a high risk for my job because I go into people's houses all day long see people and I'm constantly exposed constantly getting calls after the fact letting me know oh yeah by the way that nursing home that you were just at they just went on full lockdown because one of their employees was positive oh great thanks thanks for that but here's the thing Here's what it comes down to. And I'm talking to, I guess, people that I that are believers and have faith and, and, and believe that God is faithful and powerful and on, and on His throne. Here's the thing. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I... Now, to be clear, I say that with a deep-seated, long-standing, heavy anxiety <laughs> which I know is very conflictual I believe it I know that God is powerful I know that he is in control I also battle anxiety and I know that doesn't make any sense it would seem to me it would seem to most people maybe that if I truly believed that God was in control then I would not ex- also experience anxiety I, I have no answers for you There are definitely moments where reminding myself that God is in control does help to alleviate that level of anxiety. Um, Telling myself and praying and, and knowing that God is in control does help to keep anxiety at bay for the most part. But my thing is not so much about having the virus as much as it is here's my concern let me just let me just give you a little glimpse into my anxiety ridden brain (laughs) and hopefully this doesn't cause you any anxiety but this is just kind of where I'm at this is kind of where I'm where my thought where my head goes I smoked on and off for 20 years okay we've talked about that I'm happy to report that I'm still cigarette-free, smoke-free. Almost a year now. Can you believe that? My birthday's coming up. 
in almost a month and I did I stopped smoking before my birthday last year and so yeah I'm almost a year now and I'm going to tell you something to be fair to be totally honest I want to smoke every day that is the worst addiction that I think I've ever battled well between that and food food may take the cake <laughs> oh my gosh that was bad um but yeah between that and food but yeah I mean that's just reality I really like smoking and I want to smoke every day but I haven't so there's that um so yeah this is a respiratory illness and so I know like supposedly after you stop smoking your lungs can heal and your lungs can recover and blah 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 but I mean it's not like I have a, a x-ray to look inside my body and see what my lungs look like to see if they're able to withstand the COVID if it comes if it comes knocking at my lung door you know I don't know what's going to happen so here's my concern here I'm a single parent to, as a, as a catch-up I've got five kids ranging in ages from 13 down to eight months okay in the, in the middle, I've got an 8-year-old, a 3-year-old, a 2-year-old, almost 4-year-old. Uh, the 3-year-old is almost 4. A 2-and-a-half-year-old and an 8-month-old. So, that's that's the, the breakdown of the 5. I don't have a single human in my life who's able to manage the care of all 5 of these children. Full-time. Other than myself. And I barely do it. Like, I put them in... At a babysitter every day so I can go to work. Basically, my work is a break from parenting. <laughs> it's awful. No, I miss them a lot. I love the weekends and being with them. And I, I'm looking forward to vacation and being with them all week. Catch up with me next uh, next Saturday after we get back and see what I think. I'll probably be trying to put them on eBay or something. But I don't have one single person in my life that's able to manage the care of all five of these children at one time. So, with my potentially compromised lung system and the COVID being what it is, if I get this virus, am I going to end up on a ventilator and in the hospital for, for two weeks? I can't do that. I don't have the time for it. And I don't want my... I don't know what's going to happen to my kids. One of my youngest child is a foster child and I cannot have him oh I love this situation I got this trash truck in front of in front of me that's clearly overpacked itself and now I just have bottles and random shit flying out the back of it onto my van awesome gosh uh. yeah I mean I can't risk him having to go to a different foster home because I'm in the I'm in the hospital with COVID. I can't do that. So yeah, that's my concern. I'm not so much concerned about being sick. Like I've been sick before. I've been sick and parented before. I've literally had kids like standing right beside me as I'm projectile vomiting and being like, "Mommy, mommy, 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 can I have some chocolate milk?" And I'm like, "Like just yeah, just a second. Hold on, I'm just." I'm just wrapping this up real quick. Hold on a minute. <laughs> Let me just wrap up this projectile vomiting and then I'll get you your chocolate milk. No problem. Like, I've, I've literally been so sick that I've hardly been able to walk. 
and like got up and cooked dinner and done a load of laundry. You know, like I've done that. I can manage that. What I cannot manage is being in a, a medically induced coma on a ventilator with the COVID. Okay, I can't do the extreme of that. I can do a, a, a bad cold and high fevers and so what I've been I've just been praying a lot and trying to be as preventative as possible. We did have a moment, you know, where we went out maybe a little bit more before this started to kick back up in the county. We went to a couple restaurants. Excuse me. Oh my gosh. You know, I took the kids to Kroger, the littlest ones to Kroger one day. Um, but, you know, as I expected, it's kicking back up to the point that, uh, you know, we're going to be shut back down. My kids aren't going to be... To the, I mean, it's to the point now where it's almost every day that someone... It used to be like... Like, I had a friend of mine who even said this to me. Is it even real? Like, do you even know anybody who's even had corona? Like, is it even real? And that was a real question. That was a fair question because the only reason that I knew anybody who had actually had it was because I work in the medical field and I had had patients that had had it. If I didn't have, like, outside of that, outside of patients of mine that had had it, up until about a month ago, I had a friend whose mom and stepdad and grandfather had it. But up until about a month ago, I didn't know anybody that, had, like, personally, I didn't know anybody that had had it either. But now, it's to the point that almost every day, I'm, you know, being notified of somebody else or somebody that I know, somebody that, or a business that I know, or a business that I frequent regularly that's having to shut down. That's the saddest part, too. <laughs> obviously people dying is the saddest part but one of the saddest parts is these small small businesses that are having to shut down and you know quarantine and all of that when they have a positive employee or a sick employee my son is running uh cross country this year for his freshman year of high school which is insane to me and he was supposed to be having conditioning started last week um, and it ended up being canceled <clears throat> through the middle of this month because his coaches were with someone over the weekend who ended up testing positive for um, COVID on Monday so it's just like every day now it seems like it's kind of it's a lot more close to home people that I know are you know so here's what I'm saying like Let's be confident in who God is. Let's be like rock solid confident in that. And let's be um, really clear in God's sovereignty and in his faithfulness and in his just, he's got this. Like, let's be super, super confident in that. And I'm trying to be, here's the, the hard thing, just as a side note. I haven't been to church since February. It's July. This is the longest period of time in my, I want to say, entire life. So I'm 38. I'll be 38 in a month. So in 38 years, this is the longest period of time that I have gone 
Yeah, absolutely, 100%. This is the longest period of time that I've gone without going to church. And not that you have to have church to maintain your faith or to maintain your... Uh, now, I don't want people to be like, I knew it. I knew you didn't have to get a church if you're a Christian. <laughs> That's not what I mean. I mean, my faith is not contingent on whether or not I go to church. My faith is stands alone. Do I, I also believe that Christians need to be involved in church for accountability and discipleship and fellowship and all of those things. So I miss that. I miss that part of it. I miss the accountability. I miss the discipleship. I miss the teaching. My pastor is one of the best teachers that I've ever listened to. I miss the teaching. And and here's the people are saying, maybe you're thinking like, well, all the churches are online. Why don't you just watch it online? Hey, hey, Karen, how about you try to watch church online with five kids in the room and let me know how it goes. <laughs> Send me a message. Let me know how it goes. Hey, hey, um, how about you try to watch church online when your kids are screaming at you about how hungry they are and how much chocolate milk they want? Let me know how it goes. Now, could I, because uh, they're on YouTubes, you know, could I watch it? later like during nap time or maybe at some other point during the week should I make that a priority to try to yeah I should absolutely and actually I was thinking because um I haven't done that but I should it's just it's just been it's not it's just crazy how you fill up your time you know here we have a ton, we have a lot less things going on and yet it still feels like it's been chaotic and, and busy um, but what I was thinking was, we're going on vacation. I have a five and a half hour drive. I think I might catch up and watch some of the, the recent sermons and whatnot, um, and, and try to catch up on some of those. So that's part of the, I think we're like feeling a little weak, you know, feeling a little bit more vulnerable because we don't have the support and the accountability and the encouragement and the fellowship from our, from our church people, from our faith body. Um, and I miss that. I, I don't normally miss people very often. I know that makes me sound like a heartless, heartless person, but I, uh, it's not really something like I don't, it takes a lot for me to really miss, especially being in a crowd, being around a lot of people. But I do miss just the, the corporate worship and the the encouragement and the like I said the accountability and anyway so there's a speed trap ahead Carol I just passed it what are you talking about I didn't think about this I'm working today everybody else in the world has the day off because tomorrow's the 4th of July and so you know you get today off instead since tomorrow's Saturday you get to, you get today off I'm working I'm working like a dog out here in these streets. So, of course, there's police everywhere because everybody's traveling to do their 4th of July plans. So, hopefully I don't get a ticket. I'm just trying to work. I'm just trying to earn a solid dollar. Officer, leave me alone. Um, anyway, so, yeah, let's just, let's be confident. But let's also, this is my second point. You know, God gives us wisdom. And I don't think that having wisdom and trusting in God are two separate things. I think they work together. And so we trust in God and we have faith in his 
power and his uh, sovereignty, but we also use what he's given us in our wisdom and in our brains. We use our brains. God gave us our brains and he gave us a wisdom for a reason. And so I think we use those things and we don't put our head in the sand and say, God is faithful. He's not a God of fear. I'm going to run around and it'll be fine. No, 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 no. No, I don't want to be afraid either. And I don't believe that God is a God of fear. But I, I do believe that God gave me a brain and gave me wisdom and I want to use it. And I want to protect other people from potentially if I do have a virus at some point. I want to protect other people from, from passing it on to anybody else. I want to protect my children. I want to protect my Ben my boyfriend I want to protect my parents my mom who is very immunocompromised so I'm going to wear a mask everywhere I go and I'm going to use a lot of hand sanitizer and I'm going to pray and just hopefully get through this at some point I'm telling you what though honestly I'm so tired of wearing a mask so hot (laughs) it's next week is going to be the hottest week of the year I think maybe not who knows but uh it's gonna be in the 90s all week and I'm so glad that I'm not working because even though when I get back it'll probably be in the 90s again the week after that (laughs) at least that's one less week that I'll have to wear a mask all week working I mean I'm gonna be wearing a mask if we go out in public and go to anywhere but at least like with my own family and stuff I won't have to wear one so anyway I managed to talk about that for 25 minutes um as far as updates go, let's do a little update rundown. I've still got five kids. The baby is the one that's in foster care. He's eight months old. Can you believe that? Eight months old. He's a doll. He's perfect. He's so cute. He's so happy. So fun. Just just an absolute joy. Um, just trucking on. I mean, foster care is foster care. I haven't said this in a while, so I want to say it. I mean, if you've if you've given any thought to foster care or have any questions about foster care, even though I'm maybe, I guess I'm not as vocal about being a foster parent right now because I don't know why. I guess maybe I think that people already like enough people know that I am, or but that's that's bad on me because I still want to be promoting foster care and advocating for people to more people to become foster parents especially Christian homes really need more Christian foster homes Um, more homes that are plugged into the church plugged into that community really need that and I haven't really been um, marketing (laughs) as much as maybe I did before Um, but yeah I'm still foster parent and it still is something that I'm passionate about and I still would love to see more homes, more Christian homes, more kids and more Christian homes. I'm telling you what, man, this chlorine is killing me. Literally, I just did a big sniff. I can feel it. I can feel it burning up into my sinuses. It's still in there. It's just full of chlorine. My whole head is full of chlorine. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Is this what kids feel like every time after they go to the pool? How do, why do they like it? It's awful. Am I just too old to be going to the pool and playing anymore? Charlie dunked me 600 times. And I let him because it was kind of funny. But 
my goodness, if I knew I was going to wake up feeling like this, I wouldn't have done it. Anyway, I'm still a foster parent. What I was saying was, catch up with me. You know, talk to me. Ask questions. Don't say things like, I can never be a foster parent because I wouldn't be able to give him back. Don't say that. Talk to me about it. Or, I can never be a foster parent because I would get too attached. Don't say that. Talk to me about it. Talk to, tell me tell me that if that's your fear, if that's your concern, if that's the thing that's keeping you from ever even from even considering the possibility of being a foster parent, let's have a conversation about it. Because here's this thing, just on that particular fear. If your if your only fear is that you couldn't be a foster parent because you would get too attached, I'm going to tell you right now, you are a prime candidate for being a foster parent. Because what these children need more than anything is an adult in their life that will get 100% attached to them. Because you know what happens is when you get attached to that child, that child attaches to you. And that is a psychological and physiological development that has to happen for a child to to have any chance of being successful in their life. If a child does not bond and attach to someone, it doesn't have to be a parent, it doesn't have to be a, a family member, to someone in their lives, their chances of being able to function and have normal relationships and normal behavior, basically, for the rest of their lives are very, very slim to none. So if you're the kind of person who is afraid of getting attached, you are the person who needs to be a foster parent. Because if you know that you would get attached, then that's what these kids need. They absolutely need that. They need you to get attached because then that allows for them to attach. And that's, it's their little brains. Their little brains have to have it. So you're perfect. You're a perfect candidate. Go ahead and sign up. That's just one fear that I hear all the time. And when I see people say that, I'm like, oh my gosh, like you would be perfect then. (laughs) Please go to your local foster care agency and sign up. Um, If you're concerned, if you say there's no way that I could be a foster parent because we barely manage financially as it is now, please talk to me. Look, I'm a single parent. I took on fostering and was barely making it work with my own two kids. And I've made it work, and it's still working now. Okay, you can do it. You know what I was talking to Ben the other day about is um, we're going on this vacation. And I didn't get it because it felt kind of ridiculous. But I was looking at this really expensive, like when I say expensive, I mean over $400. It's just stupid. But over $400, real super bougie. Uh, travel stroller slash wagon and I was looking at it and looking at it and I was thinking like man I've worked so hard and this is really nice and this would be so convenient on the trip and should I get it should I get it and I'm going back and forth I'm going back and forth and I and I didn't get it but I was telling him like I'm kind of thinking about getting this stroller wagon but it's so expensive and and his thing was He said, have you bought any of the strollers that you have? And I got to thinking, 
I have a sit and stand stroller that was given to me. I have a double stroller that I think I paid 20 bucks for at a garage sale. I have a single stroller that I think was, I don't remember paying, I think it was given to me. I know it's used, I think it was given to me. I've had two jogging strollers that I've since gotten rid of that were both given to me. And then I have a couple other random little, um, so essentially, and then the other thing was, he said, so he said that, you know, you haven't paid for any of the strollers that you have, and you also, both of my, <laughs> both of my high chairs, I got off the side of the road, dumpster dive. So he said, if you want to spend the money on that wagon, I feel like you've, you know, you've saved, I've saved money for other, you know, all these other things. Anyway, I didn't decide to buy it, but, um, why was I talking about that? Oh, no, I just got distracted by, did y'all hear about this dust storm that's supposed to be coming through? I haven't seen anything, and then now I'm just rolling up on this, what appears to be a dust storm on the side of the road, and I'm nervous. Is that a dust storm? What is that? What's going on? Something on fire? Oh, I guess it's just a gravel road. Somebody stirred something up. Yeah, perfect. You know what? Please come straight into my vent and just go down to my throat. That'll really help my situation right now. Anyway, <clears throat> I know what I was saying. So, yeah, that's the thing, like, financially, like, you say, well, I couldn't afford to, you know, take on all the equipment and, and everything that comes with bringing in a baby or bringing in a younger child or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I haven't had to, I haven't hardly paid for anything. I mean, yeah, there's definitely been times where I've had to go out and spend a hundred dollars on clothes or I've had to go out somehow with Max. What did that child wear? And where are his clothes? Because I haven't been able to find any of his baby clothes from age zero to 12 months. Where are his, where are that child's clothes? And what did he wear? Did I give them to somebody? I don't remember that. Did I put them somewhere that I can't, I don't know. So yeah, for Finn, I mean, I've pretty well had to go out and buy all of his clothes up until now. And then now at 12 months, he's good to go. He's, I've got plenty, but I mean, yeah, there's definitely been times where I've had to put out my own money and put out and, and that's, they're my children. Like, I'm not going to think twice about that. But what I'm saying is, my point is that it's manageable, and you can figure it out, and we can figure it out together, and I can help you. So don't, basically, I could go on and on about excuses that I've heard, and things that people have said, I don't know how you'll ever give them back. Well, here's how I'll give them back, because I know that whatever God has for these children is right, and that's how you'll do it, too. If you know... If you believe that whatever God has for these children is the right thing, then you will gladly give them back to wherever they need to go because if that's where they're supposed to be, then it's the right thing. And if they're supposed to be with you, then that's where they'll be. And if they're supposed to be with their grandmother or their mom or their dad or wherever they go, then that's where they're supposed to be. And if it means that I cry a little bit or I'm sad or I feel awful for, for some time because my baby who I've raised for eight months for his entire life has to leave me, then I'll feel bad, but I'll feel confident in knowing that what God has for him is the right thing. And whatever God asked me to do and forever, how, for however long, 
I'll say yes to that. And I'll be okay with it. Look, I sound real like, even as I'm talking, I'm like, God, I hate myself. I sound real cocky and like real arrogant talking like that. It's not, that's not something that I was able to put my head around overnight. I mean, and even now I say that, but none of my babies have left. I haven't had to experience what it's like. I mean, I've had, I've had people that I know who have taken care of children for years, two and three and four years, and then had them leave and go to family. I can't imagine. I can't imagine how hard that is. I haven't had to experience that. So my confidence is, uh, is maybe not justified because I could say that, you know, I could say that I'll be fine. I could say that I'll be sad, but I'll be okay. I could say that, you know, I believe that God, you know, whatever God has for them is the right thing. And I, yeah, I do believe that, but I haven't experienced that loss and I, I've known people that have it. It's, it's really hard. It is really hard, but at the end of the day, like you provided a home for a child who didn't have a home and you loved them for a period of time that they maybe wouldn't have been loved if it weren't for you. And, and so putting our own feelings and our own hurt aside to give a child stability and love, um, and a home is just, to me is just one of the most, I'm just so feel so privileged and so thankful to be able to do that and I've I've just I haven't loved every second of it because it's foster care is so frustrating not the kids the system and the caseworkers and the visits and the calls and the home visits and the paperwork and everything that goes with it is frustrating but I have um I've loved being a part of the system and I loved so much being able, like, obviously I built my, or, you know, added to my family because of foster care. And so I'm forever grateful. You know, my three-year-old and two-year-old are forever my children because of foster care. I could not ever be like, uh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, they're wonderful and I'm so thankful. So talk to me about it, please please don't, don't sit on it. Maybe you're thinking my spouse will never be on board. Have you ever talked to him? Have you ever asked them why? Have you ever tried to like have somebody else answer questions that they may have? People have so many misconceptions about what foster care is or how it works. Even my mom, like I mean, I worked in child welfare for a lot of years before I even became a foster parent. So I feel like she even had a little bit more of an understanding than most people would just because of my job. But even for her, like she's even said what what she's seen me experience is not what she had in her mind as far as what foster care was people have so many misconceptions and so many preconceptions of what foster care is and what it looks like and what it'll look like in their home and in their family. Um, and it just, it's not always that, or it doesn't always have to be that. Um, and there it's different and it can be different and it looks different than maybe what you think it looks like or what you've experienced or what you've seen on TV or what you've experienced in your own personal life or your family. Like talk to me 
talk to somebody. But if you want to talk to me, you can, because obviously I'm doing it. <laughs> I love to see more homes. I'm so happy, like, I mean, not to pat myself on my own back, but it doesn't have anything to do with me. It's God working in people's lives and in people's homes, and it makes me so happy. But in the period of time since I've become a foster home, I'm going to say, like, as a somewhat direct result of myself becoming a foster parent, there are, see, one, two, three, there are four families in my church that have become licensed to be foster parents, and then one of my friends is going through the process right now. Actually, one of my friends and my sitter is going through the process right now of becoming a foster parent. So, I just, that makes me, like, just sore and be, feel so happy because how amazing to know that, like, if, even if I only served a really small part of, like, answering questions or, actually, no, I'm thinking of th three total, three total friends of mine and then on top of that, the four families in my church that like I've answered questions and I've talked to them before they even started the process and I've you know been a part of their process as they've gotten licensed and now they're licensed and are moving forward with taking foster parent or foster children so I I want to help you I want to answer your questions I want to see more homes opened up to kids in our community anyway I didn't really plan on getting into that that deep but I did want to mention it I'll leave all my contact information at the end of this episode, like I always do, or you can always just message me on the whatever you listen to, however you listen, or um, if you know my number, you can message me there, but if you don't, don't be a creeper, <laughs> or you can find me on Facebook too, you can message me wherever you want to message me, but yeah, ask the questions, gosh, I mean, telling, I'm telling you, you can do it, you can do it, um, let's talk about it, okay? All right, last thing, last thing, last thing. Um, want to talk about? What's up, bud? <laughs> this guy just crossed the street and literally stared me down, stared at me the entire time. He was crossing. We're all intense. Okay. Um, last thing I want to talk about. This might seem... Okay, just bear with me. I promise I'm getting to the point here, okay? When um, <clears throat> when my second husband and I got married, we lived... So, it's been 10 years ago this year, actually. We lived in his grandmother's house. She had passed, and we kind of cleaned it up, renovated it, whatever. And lived in that house for almost exactly a year before we then bought the farm where, where I still live now. And when we moved there, we bought, I bought, <laughs> you know, when you get married, it's your money, it's our money. So technically we bought a um, zero turn lawnmower because we have, we have five acres of land. We mow maybe two three of it if that so it's kind of a lot you know we bought a zero turn lawnmower <clears throat> when my um when my ex-husband left he took the mower with him and so I was 
there at the property and, you know, had no way to maintain my yard or mow my grass. For the first two years, I paid a company, even though I had no money to do, do the such, but I paid a company that came out, you know, obviously a landscaping company that came out and mowed. For the third year, um, I was really fortunate in that my mom and my brother, for my birthday, gifted me basically a summer of landscaping services, and I had a company that came out and mowed and landscaped um, for that year. And then last year, my um, a friend of mine's brother-in-law came out with for no charge at all which was so generous and so thankful for that and mode you know through the summer last year you know there were a lot of times that I also like with a push mower went out and mowed in between and did you know did as much as I could to try to keep up with whatever was left behind or you know in between times if they weren't able to make it out because obviously when I'm not paying like I'm at their schedule discretion so there were times where it would be really overgrown and I would try to keep up with it myself by push mowing blah blah blah. through all those years I knew that I wanted and needed to buy a riding lawnmower um but it just wasn't something that was ever in my budget it wasn't something that I was ever able to afford um, I had other things that, you know, took priority over buying a riding mower. I had to, <laughs> like, almost on an emergency level, last summer, had to put a lot of money towards redoing my kitchen. Um, I had a lot of money that I had to put towards tearing out the majority of my laundry room, sunroom area because of lead paint exposure and had to have that all redone. So it just hadn't been a priority, and and not just hadn't been a priority, it just, it hadn't been something that I had even had the money to buy. Um, and so going into this summer, though, I knew that this was the summer that I was going to save and I was going to buy a riding mower and I was going to handle taking care of my lawn on my own. So I saved. And saved and saved um, through the fall and the winter last year, you know, over the winter and into the spring. And then did, in fact, go and bought, a, you know, a riding mower or a tractor. Now, you might be thinking, like, who the hell cares? <laughs> Great story. Um, I think the reason that I wanted to talk about this is because as adults... We can very easily get caught up in this idea of needing to have all of the things immediately. And something, and I, and trust me, I have been in that position. 100%. And so I'm not saying that it's not something that I I haven't been myself, you know, caught up in that mentality. But as much as I hated the period of my life where I was financially, 
you know, barely paying my bills, sometimes not paying them at all, um, being concerned about foreclosure, being notified about the potential for foreclosure on my home, just struggling, struggling to pay, crying in my driveway when I would randomly get a check for 50 bucks because I knew I was going to be able to buy groceries, you know, or whatever it was. Like, as much as I hated that period of time in my life, and, and to be clear, I'm not past that. I just have two jobs now and so <laughs> I work a lot more and I have you know spend a lot less so I'm not so much in that you know in that crisis of a position but as much as I hated that period of time in my life of struggling and struggling and struggling I think the one thing that it taught me and that I wanted to pass on today is patience it's just patience and waiting and knowing that the the gratitude that the like it's it's stupid. Well, every time I look at that mo- that mower, at that tractor, the sense of accomplishment and gratitude that I feel is just overwhelming because I did that. I did that on my own. I worked hard and God provided for me the income and the and the resources that I have to be able to buy a tractor so that I could continue <clears throat> to provide a home that has some, you know, looks a little bit less like a foreclosure every day. <laughs> you know, I did that and God brought me to the point of being able to provide that for my home and for my family. And I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful that I didn't rush out and buy something or rush out and get a credit card or rush out. Like, I'm so thankful that I waited and I was patient and that God provided, you know, over those years that I, I didn't have a mower, that God provided people that mowed for me or that, I could was able to pay people to mow for me. I'm so thankful for those years and the in the waiting and the patience. I just think that you know <clears throat> right now this very day I need a new washer and dryer. My washer for some reason hates changing cycles. It loves to do one cycle and then just get stuck. It's literally its favorite thing to do. So what do I have to do? I have to manually stop it and then restart it into the next cycle for every time that I do laundry. It's a pain in the ass. It's awful. But <laughs> so I need a new washer. My dryer, I'm pretty sure has had a manufacturer defect from day 1 because it's never really dried a load of laundry all the way through on one cycle. Every time that I run it, it almost always opens up and the laundry is still wet and I have to run it through at least two cycles, sometimes three. Uh, my dishwasher that was given to me for free did not last for very long. And so it's not working correctly. It's not, the water's not heating up. <laughs> my refrigerator is at least 20 years old. It works perfectly fine. But it is, you know, some of the shelves are breaking off and the brackets are rusted. You know, it just is... 20 years old and 
needs to be replaced. So here right now in my home, I have four major appliances that, you know, need to be replaced and I'm chill, you know, I'm cool. I'm, uh, I'm not, um, I'm just hanging tough, you know, because my thing is I will buy these things when I'm able to buy them. I will buy these things when, um, the time is right, when I can find a good deal, um, when I feel confident financially that I can manage buying them, you know, and this isn't just about buying things. I think, you know, I just listened to, um, or just looked at something about, you know, people getting uh, married and, you know, starting relationships and things like that really young or people starting their careers straight out of college really young and not, you know, I think there's just this, our society and our culture has just created this environment into where it feels like you have to rush and do and buy and accomplish everything as quickly as possible. And, and just, you have to, you have to do, and you have to be in a certain position and you have to have all the things and you have to, and I just have gotten to the point to where I just don't think that I don't feel like that that's necessarily the best way to go about doing things. And so I guess the thing that I wanted to pass on today is to just encourage anybody. I mean, how frustrating, and I've talked about this, one of the biggest, one of my biggest sources of anxiety is being in my home and walking around outside and inside, even just driving up my driveway. And there are projects and there are things that need to be done in my home, outside of my home, that I just have not been able to get to, have not had the time to get to. And so looking at those things day after day after day is just anxiety inducing in a major way. But I also have finally gotten to the point to where even though I do experience that anxiety, I also have peace knowing that eventually those things will get done. They will get done. You know, something as stupid as <laughs> I have a flower bed that runs along the front of my house. And there were years and years and years that that flower bed was just solid, grown up weeds. And so every day I would come home and I would drive up my driveway and I would see that flower bed and it would be so frustrating and so just like, I hate the way it looks. I hate how overgrown it is. Oh, I hate it. Now I finally have had the time and the resources where I've pulled the weeds, I've put the plastic and then the groundhog promptly pulled the plastic right back off of it piece of crap. You know, I've put the mulch. I still have weeds, but I've planted the flowers. I have things going. So it's, it's now it's done. And it's, and I look at it now and I, that anxiety is gone because it's done. I just think we got to slow down. I think we got to stop beating ourselves up to rush and to do things on a timeline that who created it? Who says, who said that your flower beds have to look a certain way by the time you're and you're in it all, and that they have to always, you know, they have to look perfect and put together. Who said that? Like, who's holding me to that, 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 uh, standard? Myself? Nobody. 
who said that you have to have a zero turn mower as soon as you move into a house with a with an acre and a half of land nobody you said that nobody is forcing you into that timeline no one is saying that those are the things that you have to call who said that it's not okay for you to have a 20 20 year old refrigerator and you have to run out and buy a new one nobody nobody cares except for me and I sometimes feel that way but I think that's where like I am really trying and I'm encouraging you to not allow myself to get caught up in what I believe, you know, are its society standards for my life and to allow myself to instead depend on God and depend on what God's timeline is for my life. You know, and it's, even when it comes to maybe what some people would be like, um, saying that God don't care about when you buy your washer and dryer. Well, you know what? Maybe he does because maybe the reason why I haven't bought it yet is because there's a bigger need that is a bigger eternal need in my world or in my life. And that's where I need to spend that money. And so then I'll, and then I'll, I'll deal with what I've got with my current washer and dryer for just a little bit longer. If it means that, you know, there's a need that I need to put that money towards instead. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't mean to get that deep, but um, I guess, like I said, the thing that I, I, I've, I've been trying to, to learn, and this is why I told Ben the other day, I said, because he was saying, you know, my goodness, there, you need four new major appliances, and I was like, I know, I know I do, but so far what I have, it's not an emergency, you know, my, 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 uh, my kids are fully capable of washing dishes, I don't need a dishwasher, I didn't have one for years and years. I'll get one on when I get one. You know, my refrigerator and freezer still work. They just don't look the greatest, but they still work. It's not an emergency. I just think in in areas of, you know, buying things, of jobs, of major changes in our life, of relationships, of rushing into relationships, of friendship, of those types of things in our life where we feel this pressure of society to be and to have and to look a certain way, I think... I'm trying to challenge myself <clears throat> that instead of settling in or or even listening to what society says I need to have or I need to look like or I need to participate in is to really is really trying instead to settle into what does God like what's my ex what's the expectation from God on my life you know at the end of the day when it comes to if we're going to make decisions in light of eternity, does it even make sense <clears throat> for me to buy a new refrigerator and spend the money on that when I could potentially put that money towards something else that had, you know, a heavier eternal payoff and then continue to use the refrigerator that I have? It works fine. My kids have been begging me to get a new TV and it, I might. I might do it, but it does kind of kill me because the TV that we have works just fine. So does it make a whole lot of sense in light of eternity for me to go out and spend a thousand dollars on a new TV just to have a bigger, nicer model <clears throat> when I could be using that money towards something that had an eternal value? I think as Christians, we really just have to check in with ourselves. And I don't mean to like I don't want you to hear me and think that like I'm come down or I'm like 
whole like better feel like I'm I'm not like I'm struggling like I literally have pictures on my phone of models and prices and things like that of TVs like I'm there I'm and is, is there going to be a new TV in my house within the next couple of weeks probably so I'm struggling with it too but I guess my thing is like I think because of where I've been and what I've ex- what I've experienced up to this point is that I'm I have been able to slow down a little bit and that's all that I'm saying and that's what I want to encourage you with is instead of rushing out and doing the next big thing or rushing into relationships or rushing into marriages or rushing into the next big job because it makes you make more money or or buying the best new vehicle or, or buying the best the biggest and best of appliances or whatever it is or taking the biggest vacations I think we just have to take a minute, as Christians especially, and pause and think and pray and acknowledge that we're called to live our lives in a way that honors God and gives glory to God. And so making decisions that reflect that in every area of our life. In the areas that sometimes I don't think we allow God to be in. Like, why would I pray about buying a new refrigerator? Like, God doesn't care about that, you know? (laughs) Or why would I pray about buying a new TV? God doesn't care about that. Well, yeah, God does care. God cares about our money. God cares about where we put our money and where we put our assets and where we put our time. And so praying about running out and signing our kid up for the next new select travel baseball team. Let's pray about it. Let's really think about the eternal impact of that decision and in the, in the possibility that, you know, is it going to be something that God is going to get glory for my kid spending hours and hours and hours on the baseball field? Maybe. I mean, for me, sometimes those are the times that I have the most interaction with other people and am I out there like missionary style handing out tracks and and sharing you know the gospel with every person that I interact with no but I mean I am around people and I am trying to live a life that reflects God and so sometimes being my kids being on those teams and even being on travel teams is like super beneficial because I do I don't have a lot of opportunities outside of that to where I am around other people but anyway I got to get to work. Y'all are just really holding me up and I'm trying to work. And then you're talking to me like, I'm, I'm going to lose my job. What I'm saying is in these areas of our life, when it comes to our money and our time and big decisions that we're making, especially now, especially with everything that's going on in the world and all this weird stuff is like, just take, this is what my, what I, what I, nobody's told me this, but this has kind of been my, um, my like, I don't know what you call it, like this, my standard, my like decision making uh, rubric, I guess, I don't know. It's like, if I see something, and I want it, and it's a big purchase, what I, what I try to make myself do is to wait for a week. And then if in a week, I still feel like I really need it. I really want it. I do still really want it. And then I usually try to at least give myself another week 
Because sometimes I can talk myself out of it, or sometimes I can make myself, I can under, I can put my head around the idea that it's not a wise choice. So that's what I'm saying, is let's, let's just slow down. You know, let's just slow down, let's take our time, let's think through things more, let's pray through the things that maybe we think are mundane, or that, you know, maybe we think that God isn't interested in. Let's include God in all areas, in all decisions, in all money, in all time. Let's include God in all of those parts of our life and allow him to direct us. Even when it comes to silly stuff like buying a lawnmower or buying a TV or whatever. Like, let's allow God to be a part of all of those parts of our life. Okay? All right. I'm saying it let's as in like you and me, because I need it to. I'm trying, but that's just part, it's just something I've been thinking about and I wanted to pass it on. All right. So catch up with me at its.me.sam.podcast at gmail.com on Instagram at the same handle. Catch me on Facebook and have a happy 4th of July. Set off fireworks in your backyard and keep your neighbors up all night. Do it. You get the you get to do that. Okay. Um, eat some brats or a burger. Drink a cold beer. It's gonna be a hot one. Try not to get a sunburn. That'll ruin your whole weekend. And uh, have so much fun. Be safe. Wear a mask. Maintain social distancing. Don't be hugging and touching and carrying on with people. Don't get the COVID. Okay, and uh, I'll talk to y'all the next time. All right, bye.